You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello, and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and I will not be your host today. We have a special guest in the studio. Uh, Today we're actually going to have Jason, uh, who's returning from a match as a contestant, to come back and host for us. And the reason we are having Jason back here is kind of a special event for us. You are now listening to episode 10, which is our, I guess, anniversary of uh, launching this podcast. But the reason Jason is here is he hosts our trivia that we go to every Monday night at Brixie's Pub. And our team, Pain Don't Hurt, competes in games that he writes that sometimes are way too hard, but we still kind of pull it out, or we end with zero, which we like ending uh, by betting it all. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, hand it over to Jason. Well, thank you so much for that, Neil. How are you guys doing this evening? Hey, we're doing Pretty great. Good, all right. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me back, by the way. This is going to be a lot of fun for me and hopefully you. <laughs> mostly me. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate the invitation back. Uh, you guys ready to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, the teams today are going to be Neil and Matt versus myself, Ken. And uh, Jeff. There was definitely debate as to whether or not they were going to fly solo or if they were going to team up. And I know what's about to happen, so I strongly encourage them (laughs) to team up in this regard. And I, knowing them, knowing me, I don't think they were willing to disagree with that notion (laughs) either. Uh, Triviality is 20 questions in a variety of topics worth 10 points apiece and split into two rounds. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by me where players can take a larger lead or gain some ground for a comeback. At the end of regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have the chance to wager 0 to 30 of those points on five questions based on their confidence of the final round categories. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I am the cream in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, Gentlemen? Yep, I think we're ready. Let's start the game with question one. There's a state in the U.S. that's home to a college whose sports teams are known as the Banana Slugs. What state is that? Start right out with geography and college football. Well, college whatever, I guess. But my, my two weakest. I wanted to land right in your wheelhouse, out of the gate. I've heard of this. I've seen a little mini documentary of them on the internet. Like, we are the Banana Slugs. Yeah, I've heard of it, too. All right, let's go with, with that. You know what? Uh, um, I'm fine with that. You guys are in? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I kind of like your thinking there going into the South because I was listening to a podcast with a guy who's from uh, Louisiana and he found banana slugs and would sell them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's in Louisiana. I just remember, I mean, he's he's from Louisiana and he would find banana slugs and he would sell them. But it was also in an episode where they're talking about traveling. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he traveled to, you know, one of those states that you put on. Right. Well, Neil I mean, knows he... a lot more about this than he initially <laughs> let <laughs> Right. I mean, my th- I know banana slugs tend to be a Southern because I think that they have to be in kind of a moist, hot kind of... Uh, area. So my guess, originally I was thinking Georgia, but I think Louisiana is a pretty good guess. Uh, do you want to just go Louisiana? That's fine. Okay, we're going to lock in with Louisiana. Okay, and you, Ken and Jeff? We're just taking a 1 in 50 guess and saying Wyoming. I regret to inform you that both teams are incorrect in this mm. case. Uh, the answer is actually California. Yeah, the southern state of California. Yeah. I was so close. <laughs> a good half of California is, in fact, a southern state. Yeah. Uh, but the University of California at Santa Cruz, mm. a Division three school in the NCAA, home to the banana slugs. And for the record, possibly not the most interesting D3 school name that I found in my research. Uh, you also have the Storming Petrels of Oglethorpe University. <laughs> And the Webster University Gorlocks. Yeah. What the hell is a Gorlock? I don't know. I didn't attend Webster. <laughs> uh, so, fantastic. We are starting off swimmingly today. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for question two? Yeah. Yes. All right, gentlemen. The Pont des Arts is a bridge in Paris, France, that until 2016 was a site for a particular lover's custom. What object did lovers need to bring to participate in that custom? We're in. Right out of the gate there. A custom, lover's custom. Ponies I, are. I know what it. I've seen this. Um, it's something where they. I think that they would either write their names or something on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, something along those lines. Oh yeah, that's bringing. That's that's. Yeah, uh, rumbling something in my head where they would. Is that one of those things where they like they bring something and they like attach to a tree or mm-hmm. a fence or something and it like stays there forever? Oh, it's it's a lock and key. Lock and key. Yeah. Okay. We are locking in with lock and key. Okay, and you, gentlemen? So, out of sheer pettiness, I hope they're wrong, because uh, I wrote padlock down almost immediately, and uh, if they are, if we are correct, because they said lock and key, I'll be disappointed. Well, the key, the key symbolizes that there's a way out of the relationship, so. <laughs> so probably not the key part. Uh, well, as, as your host, I do have to make a bit of a uh, distinction as to the answers you've given me, and I've decided that I will accept lock yeah. and key along with the correct answer, which is a padlock. <laughs> okay, That's fair. Thank you. Uh, yeah, if, I can, if I can tune in really quick on the Gorlock thing. Mm-hmm. It's a make-believe creature that was designed by Webster staff and students through a contest. It has the paws of a cheetah, the horns of a buffalo, and the face of a St. Bernard dog. And it looks dumb. <laughs> so it's the, the human beings yeah. from Community? Because, right. of course, what else do you call that chimera right. fail? Right. Gorlock. Sorry, sorry for uh, getting off topic Not there. at all. Go no. ahead with, Man the, bear with the trivia. Uh, so, yeah, in 2016, Paris officials actually began installing anti-lovelock devices on this bridge uh, in an effort to uh, keep it, one, safe, and two, uh, free of any damage. Um, but I'll tell you that the Paris hotel officials in Las Vegas actually sell pre-opened padlocks. Uh, without keys, so that lovers can attach them to the walkway leading up to the replica Eiffel Tower. Hmm. It's a beautiful story. It's not the only place. There's a lot of other famous bridges that oh. have padlocks. Where Several go. locations around yeah. the world. Especially, yes. especially in continental Europe. But uh, arguably the most famous location, the Lover's Bridge, is uh, Pont des Arts, which I had to spell phonetically. Are we ready for question three? We are. Let's do it. All right. 
Question three. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was the first feature-length animated film produced by Disney back in 1938. What film was their second full-length animated movie? This is... I don't think it's second. Yeah. I think we got it. Are you fine with that? I'm good with this. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's cross out Robin Hood. Cinderella, for some reason, is kind of landing in the 50s for me. Fantasia feels like the easy answer, and I think it's wrong. Okay. Knowing Jason, it's, he's going to give us a harder one, but... <laughs> Uh, do you, I mean, you said Fantasia, right, when I wrote it down. You just want to go with it? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Fantasia from Neil and Matt. Ken and Jeff, what do you have? Yeah, we were also mulling over uh, Song of the South, but what we went with was Dumbo. Ah. I have to let you know that nobody at any point during this question <laughs> said the correct answer. Uh, it's an odd one to leave out, but uh, it's actually Pinocchio. Oh. oh, yeah. Released in 1940, Pinocchio was yeah, the I knew, uh, second I knew that one Disney was That one was life. very early, but I, I felt like uh, somewhere in my mind Dumbo was sticking as number two. All right, question four. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I will let you know this answer is a multi-part answer. All right. I'll tell you that in advance. And your question. Allegedly named for Ruben Kulikovsky, a grocer in Omaha, Nebraska in the early 20th century, a Reuben sandwich is traditionally made up of five specific ingredients. You must name all five. So I was just listening to a podcast where the entire uh, round of questioning mm-hmm. was about sandwiches and their ingredients, mm-hmm. and I completely just blocked out all the answers that I remember from that. <laughs> yeah. But one of them was uh, the Reuben, and it was it was talked about quite heavily. But I pulled some of the answers. I'm hoping with Matt's additions that it's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it okay. is. Okay. So we're positive about corned beef, sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, rye bread, and the dressing is where we're getting hung up. Now, I initially wrote Thousand Island dressing, and Jeff is saying Russian, but I know every Reuben I've ever had was like a more mayonnaise-based dressing. Now, Russian is more of a, it's kind of like French, but it's deeper red, but, right? But the question isn't what what is the common one, <laughs> right? It's what what is the original traditionally is the word that is in the question right. and i think and, and i'll tell you because i've heard this i've heard this specific phrase before so the the way to orient a a proper reuben is axis neutral ally so you have kraut swiss cheese and then russian as your again that's anecdotal so that's where i'm coming from that from i will agree with you i've had them plenty of times with thousand island dressing but you don't even eat meat ken you've had it's one up to you. well uh chicago diner on Halstead yes. has the best vegan Reuben sandwich you'll ever eat. Is that the only vegan Reuben sandwich you've ever had? Yes. So that's why it's the best. <laughs> it's it's also anecdotally the best. <laughs> they have good shakes right, there. Go with, okay. We're we're gonna go with Jeff. All right. Okay. So uh, Ken and Jeff, we'll start with you. Corned beef, sauerkraut, Russian dressing, Swiss cheese, rye bread. All right. And Neil and Matt, what say you? So we said corned beef, sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, rye bread, and we went with Thousand Island dressing. All right. Uh, You've put me in a slight bit of a predicament with the two uh, differing definitions on the dressing. I will let you both know your other four ingredients are absolutely right. Uh, During your um, opportunity to talk it out, I did a little bit of research uh, to confirm whether or not the traditional dressing was one or the other or both. And I'm going to stick with my original uh, response on this and say that the fifth ingredient is indeed traditionally thousand-island dressing. Nice. Well, Jason, I can't say I disagree with you. They are very similar, but they are distinct enough that... I have, with apologies to Ken and Jeff, I can't give you the points on it. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's okay. I think he made the right call, to be honest. So. All right, we move on to question five in the round. 
Long Island in New York State is pretty long at about 118 miles from end to end. What's the longest island in the world from one end to the other? And to be clear, Australia is considered a continent for purposes of this question. Kind of mad about the uh, 118 miles because I remember that from a previous question you had asked. And I was just like, come on, do it again. Yes, that source of information indeed came from a previous just, uh, whatever, trivia question. Do it again. You pick, you pick out of those. No, no, you got it. I'm pretty sure we're good. Okay. We're in. All right, we're we're kind of going over different places. It's not our strong suit or a specialty. Definitely not. This is this is the time where a geography question comes up, and I say I should look at a map, and then I don't. I know. And then so we wrote down Greenland, and I don't know if that's an island. I feel like it's just a country. Um, but I think let's go with it. I don't. Care. Okay, yeah, I don't care either. Greenland, it is. Okay, Ken and Jeff. After cycling through a few different answers, um, we decided that we would go with the king of all islands, Greenland. <laughs> And Greenland is in fact correct. Oh, wow. And, and for what it's worth, it's not even close. Uh, Greenland good. is far and away, outside of Australia, the largest island on the world. It's also the longest from north to south. Uh, comes in at about 1,500 total miles. Yeah. Um, but, and this is important to any kids listening, Greenland is not as big as you might think it is. Mm-hmm. The Mercator projection, uh, due to the way in which it references the world on a three-dimensional sphere to a two-dimensional map, uh, grossly elongates uh, things at the extreme north mm-hmm. and south. Uh, Africa is actually about 14 times larger than Greenland, yeah. despite the fact that the Mercator projection has them very visually similar. Mm-hmm. All right, question six. While parody songs do not infringe copyright laws, Weird Al Yankovic still seeks the permission of any artist he intends to parody. Paul McCartney refused to give his blessing for ethical reasons for a parody of which of his songs? All right, we're locked in. Okay. Feel free to talk it out, Neil, Matt. Yeah. I wrote down Ebony and Ivory first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, for I could see that being an ethical thing. I'm just trying to think of other famous Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Songs and I'm I'm guessing he went with a Beatles song that Paul McCartney sang lead on rather than a Paul McCartney solo song. Yeah, or Wings. Right, or Wings. So I think you'd have Hey Jude. You'd have because um, it could be like something that he wanted, which one he wanted to do with the song that he didn't think was right. And I mean, so Ebony and Ivory Ivory sounds like I could see that. You know, it's a, it yeah because he it's about uh, you know two races army. yeah. yeah. That's what we're going with, Ebony and Ivory. So Neil and Matt are locked in with Ebony and Ivory. Uh, Jeff? Uh, we went Hey Jude. All right, so you've gone with a Paul McCartney solo piece. You've gone with a Beatles song. It is a Wings track, uh, namely ooh. Live and Let Die. Oh, I, I was going to put that, and I was What's like, oh, it's a James. the ethical <laughs> basis on that? Uh, the ethical basis on that is that uh, Weird Al's version was titled Chicken Pot Pie. <laughs> of course <laughs> And Paul McCartney, a vocal outspoken uh, uh, vegetarian, vegetarian yeah. um, oh, asked on. him not to record it. Weird Al never did. However, you can catch him perform it live occasionally. Because mm-hmm. uh, he couldn't let it go. <laughs> it was his baby. He couldn't let it go. Wasn't uh, Coolio the one where he didn't get permission then recorded yeah, anyway? That's, that's arguably the most famous case of it. Uh, Coolio, there was a because large of amount of confusion between the record label, the artist, and Weird Al, essentially as Weird Al uh, claims. Uh, he got permission from the record label on Coolio's behalf to write and record the parody uh, Amish Paradise. <laughs> Coolio, after the fact, uh, came out publicly and said he never got my pres- 
permission. Uh, since then, Weird Al has doubled down mm-hmm. on assuring that he always got uh, confirmed Permis- rights from the artist or songwriter themselves. Uh, there are a couple other notable artists that refused to give permission to Weird Al for uh, tracks that he recorded, uh, including Prince, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much any Prince yeah, song, that makes sense. Uh, and Weezer. Oh, that's uh, also interesting. Also, the rights uh, to do a polka based exclusively on, on Weezer songs. <laughs> uh, question seven: The briefcase in Pulp Fiction, the necklace in Titanic, and the Maltese Falcon in the Maltese Falcon are all examples of what type of plot device with a Scottish mm-hmm. name popularized by Alfred Hitchcock? We're in. Neil and Matt, quick to the draw mm-hmm. on this one. We got it too. And you've got it as well. Yep. I'll start we'll with, with you that. guys. You were feverishly writing that down. It uh, is the MacGuffin. Yeah, my MacGuffin. favorite McDonald's breakfast sandwich. <laughs> and uh, Ken? We also put MacGuffin. And MacGuffin it is. Nicely done, gentlemen. They are indeed MacGuffins, which are by definition in the film world uh, some kind of motivator that in and of itself isn't important to the plot, uh, but instead exists in order to move the plot along. It's Matt Damon in Saving Private Ryan. The Ark uh, of the Covenant? Yeah. The Holy Grail? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sausage and Freddy got fingered. Oh, excellent example. <laughs> oh, boy. Excellent example. Uh, Hitch- Hitchcock used several of them in his early 50s mm-hmm. films. Um, and I think notably in North by Northwest, um, and I forget the exact line that he used, but basically the question came out, why are you seeking this? Uh, and the answer was something along the lines of, because we need to find it. Yeah. yeah. All right, on to question eight. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. Is the opening line of a book in an inaccurately named trilogy by what British humorous novelist? Hmm. you repeat that one more time? I will repeat the opening line for you, sure. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And we're looking for the identity of the British humorous novelist who wrote that as the opening line of a book in an inaccurately named trilogy. So I was I was thinking of people that weren't typical authors. Uh, so I was thinking of people that wouldn't be no, your normal novelists that were British. And I so I went to like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, but I still think I don't know of a trilogy of books that they would have written. But the the line in the beginning, the universe was created. Mm-hmm. stuck with me there because Dawkins talks about the universe and so does Hitchens um, about religion and whatnot. Then I wrote we uh, wrote down uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis uh, Arthur C. Clarke um, This is driving me crazy dude. Yeah I think that's, He's a British humorist. Yeah. You want to put him I guess? He, that is 50% of what we need. Okay. <laughs> so, One criteria met. Yeah. Alright. Uh, Neil and Matt you're locked in? Yeah why not? Ken and Jeff want to talk just it out? Go, just go with... Uh, Jeff, so Jeff, Jeff. Jeff wrote uh, Stephen Fry on the paper. Stephen Fry, okay. Um, and, uh, just based on the British humorist uh, item. That's a fair cop for but, sure. Uh, I know that I've heard this. I read yeah. it. I, I don't think I read the books, but I know. I, I'll know it once I hear it. I don't well, think it's Stephen we, Fry though. We um, we came up with a, a British humorist uh, named Stephen Fry. So ah, he's um, a wonderful British uh, humorist. Before you say the answer, I w- I was trying to think if it was the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy guy, but I don't know his name. But anyway, continue. It is a shame you don't know his name uh, because the correct answer is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy author Douglas Adams. That's right. I w- I was gonna say that. And I was like, I don't know the author. There's yeah. no point in talking about yeah. it. 
Douglas Adams uh, wrote that as the opening lines to the first chapter of uh, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, mm-hmm. which is the sequel to the increasingly inaccurately named Hitchhiker's Trilogy, yeah. which at last count Six or seven. consists of at least five right. books and possibly one or two uh, non-canonical follow-ups. These questions about that book come up a lot, and I keep saying that I have to read them because people keep asking questions about the Hitchhiker's Guide I've, I've got that book on my shelf waiting for me. Yeah. I found it at a thrift store. Right, question nine. A palindrome is any word, phrase, or name that is spelled exactly the same forwards or backwards, like kayak or madam, I'm Adam. What is the fitting term for a word that spells a completely different word backwards, like pots and stop. I'm gonna go with Videodrome. Neil. Oh, long live the new flesh. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of smart. I mean, according to his clue, I don't know. If it's not right, I like it. That's fine. If it's not right, it should be. Yeah. Okay, we're in. No. Okay, that's fine. Okay. All right, both teams are locked in. Uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, Neil. Um, so we were thinking that it's possibly um, palindrome kind of backwards, and we put uh, nilapdrome. Nilapdrome? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Ken? We just made up a word and went with uh, anadrome. Ah. I will say that you are closer. Uh. I'm not quite correct. The correct answer is, in fact, emordnilap. Oh, it's the full thing. Which backwards. is indeed the word palindrome. Spelled backwards. Well, we're, we're, we're on the right track. Which oh. makes Emordnilap itself an Emordnilap, mm. uh, which defines that as an autonym. Yep. Mm. Uh, mercifully, question 10 in the first half. <laughs> Fish, sink, teabag, c-note, tweener, haywire, sucre, and abruzzi. These eight names could all be found on what TV series? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of a show with an ensemble this cast that could... Well, this guy was a character on that show. He was a bad guy. Do you know if any of the others were? The other one, I can't. I mean, they would call someone this that just arrived. Okay, let's go with that. Okay. I like you that. With yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, we're good. Hey, uh, Ken and Jeff, we will start with you. Yeah, I went with uh, an ensemble cast, like we were saying, and we went with Legends of Tomorrow, though I've never seen it. Oh, it's a wonderful show. You should. Uh, just wrapped up its second season. And uh, Neil and Matt. So I first I, I was writing Sopranos uh, because of Abruzzi. And then I wrote G.I. Joe, thinking of Haywire, because that kind of sounded like a G.I. Joe-ish name. Okay. Then I read Teabag, which was a villain played by Robert Nepper on Prison Break. He was very good in it. And I know Fish is synonymous with being a new person at a jail, uh, like a rookie. And so we went with Prison Break. Nice job teasing it out. The answer is indeed Prison Break. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. 
The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, gentlemen. So after round one, it has gone some way. Uh, (laughs) I will let you know that Neil and Matt are currently ahead 50 points to Ken and Jeff's 30. Oh, boy. All right. The swing round uh, traditionally is a round where you guys have an opportunity to catch up, kind of compete against each other. Uh, This time around, we're calling it Name That Tune, but in this case, tune is spelled A-N-S-W-E-R. It's a phonetic difference, I know. Uh, (laughs) But the round is Name That Tune, and here's how it's going to work. Uh, I'm going to start, uh, we'll call it randomly, with uh, Neil and Matt. You will uh, take the lead on the first question, and then we'll ping pong back and forth to Ken and Jeff. Um, I will ask the question. Every question here has a numeric answer. Uh, Neil and Matt, once I ask the question, you are going to give a bid of how close you think you can give to the correct answer. Uh, Ken and Jeff, you will then have an opportunity to either give a closer bid uh, or to allow them to answer by saying, name that tune. Again, spelled A-N-S-W-E-R. Now, if the team who gives the bid is close enough to the correct answer, they will earn 20 points. However... If they are incorrect, then the other team will receive 20 points. So are we clear on the rules and how this is going to go? Okay. Uh, So Neil and Matt, we'll start with you uh, for question one. How many total countries are found on the continent of Asia? And this is according to Wikipedia's list. Okay. Um, We're going to say we can get within 10. Okay. Ken and Jeff? Let's make them answer. They have no idea. Um, Look, if there's one thing I know about Neil and Matt, it's that they're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And they suck. I'm fine. And they're 20 points ahead. Let's have them name that tune. Ah, name that tune. So how many uh, total countries are there in Asia? Within 10, right? Plus or minus 10, yes. Actually, that might be a big enough range. We're going to go with 50. You are within 10. Oh. In fact, you're very close. The uh, correct answer, according to Wikipedia's list, is 48. Yeah. Nice, Matt. It's Ooh. all Matt. 48. And I keep referencing Wikipedia's list because uh, various sources have various mm-hmm. definitions of country and Asia. Uh, so uh, this question, number two uh, in the swing round, we'll start with Ken and Jeff. Including backup vocals, how many times is the word Roxanne heard in the police song Roxanne? Are you guys really singing the song? Say, I say within within ten. Okay, you go with that. Yeah, that's they fine. say they can name it within ten. It only in backup vocals, including backup including vocals. backup vocals. I know, and I, I think it's it's a high number, and I'm not sure if they're going to get there. I I would say make them answer it. I'm pretty confident, but yeah, let's make them answer. All right, uh, within ten, name that tune. Do you want to go with? Uh, I think it's. I'm, I'm going to say thirty to thirty-five. I was going to go a little 30, bit higher because because the chorus is. Let's say 35. Uh, 40. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll go 40. Okay. 
I regret to inform you, you should have gone 35. Oh, the correct no. answer is 26. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, Sting himself close. sings it six times. It is heard 20 distinct times uh, in the backup vocals. I had it written down as 23. Okay, so uh, I, I was thinking 30. Neil and Matt off to a quick 2 nothing. I figured lead. about, about 10 per verse chorus rotation. Yeah. Probably three verse hmm. choruses, 30. Uh, number three in the swing round, okay, and burn. this will start yep. with Neil and Matt. If I had a million dollars in singles, how much would that weigh? Rounded <laughs> to the nearest pound. God. Jeff's going to know this because it's money. Yeah. Right? Jeff has to just do math correctly, which is not always a good thing. So how a million... much does a million dollars in one dollar bills so, weigh? I think we can name that tune within four pounds. Within oh. four pounds. Are you kidding me? Okay. <laughs> answer. Answer that. I'm telling you to name that too. Okay. That is a bad sign for us. <laughs> four pounds? Are you kidding four me? Four pounds. I've uh, never held more than like $40. Let's okay, be well, real. Okay, you, well, you answer. I want to see what you answer, and then I'll come up with my logic, and I'll see how close I get. All right. Okay. So, based on that, it's yeah. higher than I think. <laughs> so. Okay. What were you four thinking? Pounds. Oh, I thought it was lo- I thought it was like 30 or 40. I don't know. 40 pounds? That's yeah, it? I don't know. Well, think of, a, think of a suitcase in the movies when they, they go to buy guns. It's got a suitcase in it. The suitcase well, weighs. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, that's probably like 100 grand, right? So yeah. that's probably weighing... But that's in like 20s that's or 50s and 100s. Well, I know, I'm, I'm trying to do the math, even though I, I can't do math. So that's probably... So we're looking at, at 20 pounds, right? 500 plus, right? Yeah, so it's like 20 pounds with the weight. You bring it down to singles. It For probably sure goes up well. to 60 pounds. 60 times 10 is 600. So let's do 674 based yeah. off nothing. Let's go with me. 674. 674 pounds. And you said you wanted to take a stab at it before. So, okay. So, um, yes, I, I do work in a bank, so I do occasionally handle money. Um, from the Federal Reserve, you get $1,000, 10 straps, essentially, of bills. So you would need 1,000 of those. Um, they weigh about, well, they feel like they there might be a little light. So I, I'm thinking like one and a half pounds, something, and maybe 1,500 pounds. Okay. Uh, I will tell you, Jeff, that your answer is much closer <laughs> uh, than 674. But uh, no, you are not within four pounds. You are not within 400 pounds. Damn. Uh, 2,205 pounds or one metric Ton. Back in the napkin math. Okay. All right. Uh, so it's two one right now. Ken and Jeff, the onus is on you for the first bid on this question. Canonically speaking, how many total Sherlock Holmes adventures did Sir Arthur Conan Doyle write? When I say canonically here, I mean the ones yeah, to which really like Sherlock Ken, Holmes fans consider to be the official stories. But you you've been better at this with the with that. So I'm I want to err on the side of caution. I'll probably I'm comfortable around yours. Okay, we'll say range. within ten. With you, you said within ten. Within ten. Let's do within nine. Okay, we can do within nine. Within nine. Think we can do eight. 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 I, st- I think we can get within six. Within, yeah, within six. Ooh, let's make six. Do it. We go. Okay, do it. All right. All right, so Neil, Matt, name that tune. Let's do. Should we go eighteen to get the twelve? Yeah, up let's, to? let's do that. Okay. And then when it's twenty-five, we'll hate ourselves. Eighteen. All right. The guess is eighteen. The guess is low. Hmm. Point to uh, Ken and Jeff on this. The correct answer is 60. What? Okay. Uh, and that doesn't include any uh, one-off uh, fundraiser stories that he wrote, uh, anything that was written by his successors. Uh, it's, it's the canonical 60, according to uh, Holmesians. Hmm. Uh, number five, and we'll start with Neil and Matt on this one. Uh, if the Statue of Liberty were a real woman, what would her shoe size be? <laughs> So we have to get within the right shoe size, so... 
I just start. Let's start with like thirty. Okay, within thirty. Within thirty. Okay. I'm gonna go within twenty. Within twenty. Let him. Neil, Matt. Answer it. Okay. So let's Can do a little bit of math here. Within twenty. So um, we have to be within twenty, right? So let's go a little high because yes. we can cover back low, and let's go. Okay. Yeah. Forty-five. Size forty-five. Uh, you are not within 20. Yeah. Her shoe size, if she were a real woman in the U.S., would be size 879. <laughs> Each foot is approximately 25 feet long okay. from end to end. Oh, there you go. And About when you convert that to a U.S. Uh, female shoe size, yeah. 879. Now, she would be 877 and a half in men's shoes. Okay. And that's an important awesome. distinction. Yeah. Okay. Or in Crocs. That's where, that's where we made our mistake. It's right there. If they were mandals, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Number six, and we'll start with Ken and Jeff on this one. Believe it or not, the record for the most total songs to appear on the Billboard Hot 100 chart is held by the cast of Glee. Mm-hmm. How many total songs of theirs have made it to the Hot 100? Within 20? Sure. Within 20. Within 20? Um, Do you think we can get within 15? I don't. I, I, I'm not confident about it, but I, I think our logic's correct. I just don't know if we can do it. <laughs> Why don't you guys name it? I should say 40 then. Because it would cover the. Then that would cover the. 20. I don't know if I want to go. I don't know. I feel just to be safe on the line. 35? 35? Yeah. 35. I think 35? I think they're done. Uh, point's going to go to Neil and Matt on oh, this yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you have a question uh, not too long ago on your podcast? Involving uh, how many Madonna songs uh, reached yes. the top ten? That was my. And that was 30, 38. Oh wow! Yep. That was top ten. That's why I was top one hundred. Yeah. Glee oh. has had two hundred and seven oh. distinct performances. Uh, number seven, and Neil and Mathis starts with you. While not big enough to be a planet anymore, Pluto is still a pretty big thing. What is its diameter in miles? He he knows this. So I, I don't even... Well, so... It's average diameter in miles. So, I mean, well, let's say within 100 and they can... Okay. Within 100. Okay. So I want to make them guess it. All right, they should guess it. Your guess is as good as mine. I just know Jeff's going to know it. Okay, yeah. 1,800 miles. 1,800 is pretty close, but not within mm. 100. Uh, 1,473 Damn. miles. That was a good guess, though. So. Ken and Jeff, we move to you for number eight. Uh, This is a question to which the answer has changed since I originally wrote it. The question is, how many episodes of Doctor Who have been aired since the series debuted in 1963? We'll go within 100. Okay, first bid is in. Ken and Jeff uh, say they can guess it within 100. Neil and Matt, your response? Okay. Guess it. Name that tune, gentlemen. I'm pretty confident in my knowledge of the... Doctor 800. 800 even? I think it's too much, but 800. I think it's too low. So you think 800 is too high? You think uh, 800 is too low? Yep. Nicely done, Jeff. The correct answer is 829. Wow. uh, With the 830th episode airing yesterday. So the official total as of the date of this recording is 830. Uh, By the time you hear it at home, the number will probably be closer to 840. All right. Good job, Jeff. Uh, Yeah. Point goes to Ken and Jeff on that. That was good. That was close to what we were yeah, thinking. Yeah, right. so. uh, number nine, as we uh, get to the tail end of the swing round, uh, Neil and Matt, you start this off. Loma, Montana set the record for biggest temperature change in a 24-hour period 
1972. How many degrees Fahrenheit did the temperature swing that day? Yeah. I think, I, I think we can get if, it. I mean, if you're confident, then, then go yeah. for it. I'm I, not. Uh, we can get within 15 degrees. Okay, 15 is the opening bid. Do you know bid. the exact number? I'm trying to think. I know, I know what it came. Um, I know what the ending down. one was. Yeah. So, do you want to go seven? Okay, seven. Ah, big jump there to seven. What an answer, right? Seven's not a lot. It's not a lot, but I know Jeff's confident, and right now I believe we're tied in the swing round. So. Uh, you are currently let's at go, four apiece. Let's go six. Six. We're going to go six. Six, Ken and Jeff. Let's keep going. Five. 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 Let them let let answer five. So it went from being like negative, um, like negative 65 degrees to like a positive 55 degrees mm-hmm. or 50. So, so let's say 105. Yeah, that's fine. We can go 105. 105 is the uh, guess? Yeah. Very, very close. 103. Nice. Yeah. All right, so 10th uh, and final question in the swing round. Uh, Ken and Jeff, you have the onus. The question is, how many of the whole numbers from 1 to 1,000 are prime numbers? Let's go within 200. Within 200 <laughs> is the opening bid. Neil and Matt? We'll say 150. Okay, 150 coming back. Okay, we'll go within 125. 125. Within 100. We'll go within 50. Ooh, big jump there. Big jump. Neil and Matt, 50 is the uh, bid right now. I don't know anything about prime numbers, but I was just trying to go through 1 through 50 in my head. And well, I'm just I, multiplying times. I know everything about prime numbers, so I'm very confident. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know nothing about math. This is not the best strategy. <laughs> We're going to do 30. I'm not. I wouldn't go any more we'll than go 25. 25. Let him name it. Let's um, go you want to go 75? Yeah. That's fine. We'll, 75. we'll go 75. 75 is the answer. Uh, the correct answer is 168. Wow. Oh, man. That was range. so close. Oh, my God. Uh, Neil had written down 160 to 180. A complete so. guess. That's migraine way medicine. Way more than I was The thinking. migraine uh, victory. <laughs> Each team. Uh, received points for five of them, so no swing came from the swing <laughs> round. Uh, our current score going into the second half is uh, Neil and Matt are ahead 150 yeah. to Ken and Jeff's 130. All right, teams, welcome to round two. Uh, let's start off with question number one. It got its start at Harvard in 1876, but after almost a century of publication, went nationwide in 1970. It has films, radio shows, and live theater productions under its umbrella and helped launch some of the most famous names in comedy in the 1970s. What magazine is it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. We're locked in. They got something. Okay. I hope it's not mad, but all right, we're in. Neil and Matt, uh, what do you say? You said Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone magazine. All right, Ken and Jeff. We went with uh, National Lampoon. Oh, that's it. And oh. National Lampoon it is. I knew we would hear to it. Ken and Jeff on that. That began as the Harvard Lampoon, yep. correct? Started uh, started as the Harvard Lampoon, went nationwide in the early 70s. I'm sure you can think of some of the famous names in comedy it launched. Um, yeah, and just so you know, uh, the magazine stopped printing in 1998, unfortunately, due to uh, lagging subscription sales. But the franchise has still produced films as recently as 2015. Uh, the most famous recent one would be the uh, Van Wilder series. Yeah. Uh, but their first film was Animal House, mm-hmm. and it was preserved in the National Film Registry back in 2001 for its cultural impact. 
All right, gentlemen, question two. Pyrosis is a medical condition that affects at least 60 million Americans, particularly pregnant women and the elderly. It is more commonly known by what name? That makes the most sense to me. What if it's um, something with bed sores? Is there something? Oh, that's that actually is really good. Is there a name for something? Uh... Um, yeah, I mean, because the pyrosis made me think pyro of fire, but the osis, uh, if you took the pyre. Um... I think it's it's like a, a, a bed rash, but I can't think. Yeah, the rash is good. Let's call it, let's go with bed sores. Okay. We're going to go with bed sores. All right, Ken and Jeff, what do you think? We want for uh, hot flashes. Hot flashes, great guess based on the uh, etymology of the word, but not quite correct. Uh, pyrosis is more commonly known as heartburn. Heartburn. Oh, oh that makes sense. Damn. You would have said pregnant women, elderly, and Neil. Uh, I would have <laughs> gotten it. And Jeff. Well, I don't have acid reflux. Well, heartburn. I, I can say for the record, having um, been with a woman who was twice impregnated, heartburn yeah. is a thing that happens. Uh, question three. What type of food, technically a bean despite its name, is also a musical foursome consisting of Americans of Jamaican, Filipino, Mexican, and European descent? Yeah, this is a really good question. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Your opinion may differ if you hear the answer, but... Yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased with myself. <laughs> All right, fellas. Yeah. Why don't you just tell me what you want over there, Neil? What you really, really want. I'm going to go with Menudo because I don't care. That's fine. Menudo. Ah, Menudo is your guess. Uh, Ken and Jeff? We're going to go with the Black Eyed Peas. Damn it. You sure are going to go with the Black Eyed Damn. Peas. That is absolutely correct. So for the record, we wrote Menudo down as a joke. But, uh, yeah. Black Eyed Peas are technically a bean and not a pea. For the record, other misleading food names that I looked up uh, while writing this question um, include Head Cheese, Sweetbreads, and Rocky Mountain Oysters, yeah. Oh, yeah. which They're sound appetizing, they are but are right. eye and brain jelly, thymus glands, and testicles, testicles. respectively. Well, I have I got a feeling that I'm going to take one of my Black Eyed Peas albums and break it later. <laughs> so. Question four. Located about 10 miles north of the Mexican border in California, and considered the largest body of water in California, what sea was formed in 1905 when the Colorado River flooded through an irrigation canal. Locked in. Jeff, quick to the trigger can on this you, one. Can you name a C? I had it written down so, before you finished the question. This might be my most straightforward question of the day. Sure. <laughs> okay, we're locked in. Neil and Matt have come up with what they claim is a funny answer, so let's hear that one first. It's uh, the OC. The OC. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Please don't call uh, it that. <laughs> Ken and Jeff? All right, so uh, the Sultan Sea. The oh. Sultan Sea is the body of water you want here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug 99% Invisible for mm. all of you people who haven't listened to it. It's great. Roman Mars is great. They have a whole episode on the Sultan Sea. Um, basically, people thought it was going to be like the next big, like boom town. They built all these towns around it, and then they just they're ghost towns now. Um, so it's mostly because the the sea is slightly slightly dangerous to human beings. So you probably don't want to go swimming there. But uh, question number five: Other than a dessert shop, where would you find donut, gingerbread, lollipop, and ice cream sandwich? So okay. uh, we were thinking about Candyland. So we know the, the original Candyland characters, yeah. but and those are not them. That's not them. 
they did reissue Candyland. I don't know if they just updated the, uh, the um, you know, the imagery or if they actually changed the characters. That's fine. I don't think it's right, but no, Candyland. So, right, Candy so uh, can Jeff locked in with Candyland? Yeah. Um, so I believe those are Android operating systems. Oh, so and you are oh. absolutely yeah. correct. They are indeed the uh, nicknames for various iterations and versions of the Android operating system. Yeah. Uh, in fact, every major version of the Android OS has yeah. been named after a dessert food, and uh, they do so alphabetically by differing first letter. Uh, the first one to come out publicly was uh, C or Cupcake. Mm -hmm. We're currently on version N, which has been nicknamed Nougat. Yeah, Nougat. Question six, gentlemen. Most fears or phobias in life are the result of bad experiences or observations, but according to research, there are two fears humans are innately born with. Using two guesses, Name either of them correctly. Okay, okay Jeff, I have, um, I have two that I'm writing here down on the piece of paper. What do you think about that? Yep, I agree with those. Okay. How about you guys? Looks uh, like Ken and Jeff are locked in. Uh, Matt so I wrote one that I felt kind of strongly about, just for some reason my gut was telling me to, and Matt has one that he wrote down from his gut, so we're 50-50 on two of them. So Neil and Matt, what say you? Uh, so start with your answer. So I said public speaking. And um, I, my reasoning behind this was I, I figured uh, since uh, the caveman and, and Prometheus, uh, the story that we always wanted to create fire because we didn't want to be in the dark and get killed in the dark by creatures, I put dark. Okay, I, I can see why you would go with both of those answers. Uh, Ken, Jeff? So uh, the one that I felt really strongly on was fear of the dark. Okay. And it was also mulling over heights, but we did not go with that. Uh, by Jeff's behest, behest, we went with death. You should have gone with heights, because I would have accepted it in this case. Falling? Falling is one of the two innate fears that, according to researchers, uh, humans are born with. They have done uh, experiments that show, uh, specifically infants, uh, infants and babies who are crawling, will refuse to crawl over an area, even though it's safe, if it appears as though they might fall. Uh, I believe it's called the plexiglass cliff yeah, experiment. I've seen that one. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the other one, and this will make a ton of sense when you hear it, loud noises. Mm. Hmm. As a professional trivia writer, uh, phobias are a great mm. fodder for questions. Um, as an example, hippopotamonstra sesquipedaliophobia That's the fear fear of long of long words. Words. is the ironically named fear of long words. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, oh, what scares you? No, don't make me say it. Don't make Please. me say it. <laughs> Please. That was always a favorite of mine, which yeah, is why Ken was able so to It's so delightfully arbitrary. Yeah. Question seven. A member of the new wave of musical talent in the early 80s, Gary Newman is best remembered for a song named For What Kind of Transportation? Yep, we're in. So as for myself, um, I work uh, on a volunteer basis at a uh, music television show, and we had the, the honor of having uh, Gary Newman into the studio. Oh, no kidding. I was not there that day, but I did see the footage. Okay. I was there for many other very uh, cool performances, however. So you didn't get a live uh, experience of Gary Newman's rich and diverse discography? No, I missed I missed that one, but, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm one degree separated from Gary Newman. That's not new wave, but let's just go there. What is that? Oh yeah, everyone's doing it. Okay. It's the love train. Love the train. Love train. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ken and Jeff. Here in my car, I feel safest of all. Mm. I can lock all the doors. Can't remember the next verse. I know. No, I know. Here in my car. car. Something all things in cars. But yeah, cars yep. by Gary, Gary Newman. Newman, best known for his new wave hit. 
cars. Jesus. Ten points going to Ken and Jeff. And I will tell you, gentlemen, the reason I wrote this question is so that I could follow it up with this fact. <laughs> Gary Newman is 13 days older than Gary Oldman. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and let me, let me in August of, I believe, 1963, 13 days apart. Let me also mention... Uh, when he was on the show, he performed new music, and a lot of times when old musicians come back to perform, you know, their new stuff, they're like, "Okay, I'm back," and it's sometimes kind of lame. Mm-hmm. But he kicked ass. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Question number eight: Many last names of English origin are simply old occupations, like Smith and Baker. If your last name is Fletcher, odds are one of your ancestors made what tool of warfare? Or is that really warfare, though? Or is that more like that would be warfare? Yeah, I mean. I'm fine with either one. Okay, let's just go with that. Okay. Neil and Matt, you ready? Yep. All right, we'll start with uh, Ken and Jeff. You guys locked in a little earlier. Pretty sure Fletcher's make the implement that you'd put in a quiver. They make arrows. Uh, Neil and Matt, what do you think? Uh, so we crossed out bow and arrow and put flail. Ah, they do not make flails. They don't make bows either, mm, but they just do, hands. in fact, make arrows by trade. A mm. Fletcher hmm. is an arrow maker. A Boyer, B-O-W-Y-E-R, is who makes bows. Just out of curiosity, what do you guys think a knocker up does for a living? Or did for a living? It is a historical job. Your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Market. A uh, knocker up. A knocker up. An actual job that existed in the past. Right, so I believe they uh, they restrang bows. Because there's a knock with the bow, but I can't remember exactly what they do. Okay. Um, Decent guess. It's wrong, but it's a decent guess. Yeah, yeah. You guys have any idea? No. no. Uh, a knocker-up was a person who was paid to literally knock on people's doors and windows in the morning to wake them. Oh, the oh that's right. Clocks. They were known in, in 19th century England as knockers-up. They're the original wake-up call yeah. yes. the hotel. I okay. do remember that. Question number nine. My first name is a type of carnivorous animal. My last name is someone who suddenly attacks, either on the battlefield or the gridiron. What journalistic oh, figure... Am I? Got it. Locked in. We're in. It was vaguely sports related, so I had an answer. <laughs> All right, let's let's, let's uh, just tap out. Let's tap out. That's fine. Uh, so Ken and Jeff, no answer on this one. No guess, huh? Uh, Neil and Matt. So I will give the the kudos to Matt for immediately knowing this answer and me agreeing with him. Yeah, it's a Wolf Blitzer. Oh. It certainly is Wolf. Blitzer, the CNN uh, journalistic uh, anchor figure. Uh, for the record, Wolf was named after his maternal grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, according to an interview he gave, in case you're wondering where the name Wolf came from. Uh, there was only one other famous person in the U.S. named Wolf that I could find, and it's Wolf Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Van Halen's son, yeah. who is now the, the current bass player. Yeah. Uh, Wolf, in this case, short for Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. All right, question 10. Since 1941, what media brand has been the operator of the national spelling bee that bears its name. I love that the first thing I think of is Putnam County, which is the musical. What does that say? Scripps. The Scripps National Spelling Bee. Does that sound right? I don't even know what that is. I don't either, but it, it just popped into my head. Fine. Let's just go with that, because I don't know what it is. Word, word that came into your head is our answer. Okay. Okay, Neil and Matt, you're locking in with Scripps. Scripps. Uh, Ken and Jeff? I'm really mad, uh, because I wrote Scripps. Mm. <laughs> and uh, for the first time in the second half, yeah. both teams have given the correct answer. Uh, feel free to, to be jubilant on that. It is indeed the Scripps National Spelling Bee. I don't know where that came from. I just I just immediately was like, Scripps. Going into our final round, Neil and Matt, you have 180 points on the board. Ken and Jeff, 
190. It is a 10-point game right now going into our final five categories. As a reminder, the final five categories work as follows. Each team can wager between 0 to 30 points on each question uh, using the points that they have earned during regulation. Uh, They will wager based on their knowledge of the five categories I'm about to announce. Those wagers will be in advance of any questions. Uh, If they're right, of course, they will earn the points they've wagered. However, if they are wrong, they will lose them. So it is uh, Ken, Matt, Neil, uh, Jeff. It is anybody's game right now. Category number one, famous dicks. (laughs) Category number two, ancient Rome. Category number three, Pokemon. Category number four, puzzles. And category number five, Canadian music. He's locking your wagers at this time. All right, teams, you both have locked in your wagers. You ready for our final questions? Yeah. Let's go for it. Uh, Question number one. The category, again, is Famous Dicks. And your question, Dick Vermeil is a former NFL coach who brought three different franchises to the playoffs in his career. Playoffs? His only Super Bowl ring came as a result of his championship run with what team? Question number two, the category is Ancient Rome. Two well-known men, a father and son with the same name, were witnesses to the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. The father died, while the son wrote the best account of the eruption that exists today. What name did they share? Question number three, the category is Pokemon. The 2016 release of Pokemon Go was a fad that of its nature hadn't been seen in recent memory with over 130 million players in its first month of release. What company, formerly a part of Google, leveraged its experience from developing augmented reality games like Ingress to make Pokemon Go? You good on that one? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Question number four, the category is puzzles. Will Shorts is a prolific name in the puzzle world. He is probably best known for being in charge of what mm. specific puzzle since 1993? 100% on that one. Right. Should have bet more on these. I know. <laughs> and question number five. The category is Canadian music. Referenced that. in the film South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, what Canadian singer <laughs> has won more Juno Awards than any other in history? Ooh. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. 
Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't brought by Tano? A lot of guessing on our end, okay. but uh, we're in. You're locked in as well? Yep. All right, we'll take them by, uh, question by question. Uh, question one, once again, famous Dick's Dick Vermeil. Mm-hmm. is a former NFL coach who brought three different franchises to the playoffs in his career. His only Super Bowl ring came as a result of his championship run with what team? Uh, Neil and Matt, you bet 10 points mm-hmm. on this. Your answer is? I believe that was the 99 uh, St. Louis Rams. Okay, Ugh. so you've gone with the St. Louis Rams. Uh, Ken and Jeff, for 20 points, your answer is? Just as a guess, who said the Cowboys? Went with the Dallas Cowboys. Ten points are going to Neil and Matt. It was indeed the 1999 St. Louis Rams, uh, known at the time as the greatest show on turf. Question number two, the category Ancient Rome. Two well-known men, a father and son with the same name, were witnesses to the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. What name did they share? We will start with Ken and Jeff for ten points. Uh, Again, kind of a guess. We just picked a famous ancient Roman and said Cicero. Cicero and uh, Neil and Matt actually didn't bet anything on this one, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I assume you took a guess. Yeah, we went with uh, the uh, perennial favorite Roman, uh, Rashan Salam. Rashan Salam. I regret to inform you, it is not <laughs> indeed Rashan Salam that mm. costs you uh, nothing. However, it is also not Cicero, and that will cost you ten points, Ken and Jeff. The correct answer: mm-hmm. Pliny. Oh, Pliny the Elder. And Pliny the Younger, his son. Pliny the Younger wrote the account. Pliny the Elder, a very famous Roman who passed away uh, as a result of the eruption. Question number three, the category again, Pokemon. The 2016 release of Pokemon Go is a fad whose likes hadn't been seen in recent memory with over 130 million players in its first month of release. What company, formerly a part of Google, leveraged its experience from developing augmented reality games like Ingress to make... Pokemon Go. Uh, Neil and Matt, you wagered 30 points on this one. Yep, that would be Niantic. Okay, and uh, Ken and Jeff for 10 points? We also had Niantic. And you are both correct. It is indeed Niantic, once Mm -hmm. part of the Google umbrella, and uh, consequently got its name from the same uh, Native American tribe that the uh, town Nantucket got its name from (laughs) uh, by way of a whaling ship during during the gold rush. Interesting story, too long to go into. Question four, the category puzzles. Will Shorts is a prolific name in the puzzle world. He's probably best known for being in charge of what specific puzzle since 1993? Ken and Jeff, you wagered 20 points on this one. Again, kind of having trouble coming up with an answer in reference to what kind of puzzle one would be in charge of. Uh, So we just had to say Rubik's. Okay, going with Rubik's Cube, I would. And uh, Neil and Matt for 10 points. Matt uh, looked at me and he said, I hope it's a question about How I Met Your Mother because of the bar named Puzzles. And ironically enough, uh, Will Shorts was on an episode of How I Met Your Mother with uh, Peter Bogdanovich when uh, Ted wanted to be uh, very pretentious and he met Will Shorts, the uh, runner of the New York Times crossword puzzle. 
Uh, uh, that That is a fact that Will Shorts uh, did a cameo on How I Met Your Mother, and he did indeed talk about his experience as the editor of the New York Times crossword puzzle yeah, since it makes 1993. More sense, yeah. <laughs> so uh, 10 points for uh, Neil and Matt. Unfortunately, 20 points down are Ken and Jeff. Uh, fifth and final question, and this one might determine our winners today. Uh, the category Canadian music, again, referenced in the film South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, what Canadian singer has won more Juno Awards than any other in history? Neil and Matt wagered 10 points on this. I said Neil Young. Neil Young. He is certainly Canadian, for, for what it's worth. Uh, Ken and Jeff, for I, 30 points. I believe that is Celine Dion. Celine Dion is a great guess if she had won just a few more Juno Awards. Oh. She is number two all-time on the Juno Awards. Well, we, took a, we took a f***ing beating on this last <laughs> round. Behind Canadian icon, that Anne Murray. Oh, team. yeah. Anne Murray, 24 total Juno Awards. Oh. Wow. Who was the cream of the crop today? The cream of the crop was, uh, I will tell you, you went in with 180 points. You walked out with 220, Neil and Matt. Mm -hmm. Ken and Jeff had the lead going in at 190. It was all downhill from there. Uh, yeah, and I believe you finished with 140, nice. yep. if my math is correct. Crushed. So by 80 points <laughs> on the final five categories, congratulations, Neil and Matt. Rise to the top. But the cream rise to the top, oh yeah. Well, it felt good after getting uh, six out of the first seven in round two wrong to actually get some right at the end there. So, good uh, work there. It was quite the good schneid work. you were on in yeah. the second half. Yeah, it was a it was a really fun game, and it was so awesome to have you you host it because you're the reason that we've we uh, came together. Mm -hmm. Our team formed. You're the Captain Planet to our yeah. Planeteers. I'm the Zordon to your Power Rangers. Yes, you're the you're the loser with the heart ring, though, Neil. <laughs> what is that? So I, I hate to Monty point out, had his purpose. I hate uh, to point out the fact that Jason's math is wrong. We actually ended with 120. So, yeah. uh, so it's even worse <laughs> than he's You still lost, but... Yeah, yeah, it hurts more. If you guys want to play with the uh, host of Triviality or against the host of Triviality uh, and see some more of my fiendish questions, you can check us out every Monday night at Brixie's uh, Beer pub in Brookfield, Illinois. Uh, we're there from 8 to about 11 p.m. We do it every Monday night. Uh, other shows we have on a weekly basis, if you don't want to compete against the uh, gentleman from Triviality, include uh, Winchester Brewing Company in Willow Springs every Tuesday, uh, Katie O'Connor's in Plainfield every Wednesday, Mike and Denise's uh, Pizzeria in Yorkville every Wednesday as well. Uh, you can catch us every Thursday at Spot on 66 in Countryside. And on the first and third Thursdays of the month, you can see me at Cigars and Stripes located in Berwyn. And they can find you on Facebook at Liquid Courage Entertainment, spelled with a K and Courage. Mm -hmm. Uh, the short code for that would be just facebook.com slash liquidcourage. Uh, but yes, to be very clear, the courage is spelled with a K uh, because I don't know how to spell courage. Wonderful. Well, thank you to Jason for hosting an awesome game. Hopefully we'll have him back soon. Uh, if you guys like to play along with our contestants, uh, which would be us or uh, anyone else we have on as a guest, make sure to check out our Facebook page and download our official Triviality score sheet. If you'd like to get in touch with any of us, find us on Twitter using the handle at TrivialityPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrivialityPod. And if you'd like to get in touch with us by email, send all messages to TrivialityPodcast at gmail.com. And if it's a question five submission, make sure to put that in the subject line with the host that you would like to use the question. Of course, other than spreading the word, the best way you can support the show is by rating reviewing and subscribing to Triviality on your favorite podcast app. But uh, until next time, on behalf of Jeff, Ken, Matt, and today Jason, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. 
around the block. He made a great liver pate. But if there's one thing in this world that I like better than a corned beef on it's chicken pot pie. Chicken pot pie.